What's up? What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast. I'm excited you joined me today because we have a very special guest today. We are talking with Mary Scott. And you are going to be excited to meet her because she is a confidence coach and has been an entrepreneur for more than three decades. Her goal is to help professional women to rise up to their full potential and reclaim their power. She is a published author on Amazon and is a columnist for the Expert Profile magazine. Guys, she is a cool, cool lady. I am so excited to, for you guys to meet her. I've already met her. Let's cue the intro and let's jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Mary, thank you so much for being here today. Michael, hello. Lovely to see you. Absolutely. We are going to have some fun. I'm so excited you're here and I cannot wait to share your wisdom and expertise. It is so needed and we've been lucky enough to have some incredible conversations already. And uh, excited to share with everybody what you do. So we're going to start off with backstory because everybody on this show knows that I love to hear your journey. It's never a straight line, always a winding road. And it's always a challenge to get to where we're at, where we're finding success in the space that we love. And you have done that. And I'd love to hear more about how you got here and how you made this journey. Well, great question. When you said winding road, Michael, I was thinking more like, ups and downs on the road you know right. just it, it, yes it winds but you know one of the things about business that I've learned that this part's easy isn't it it's fun and it's exhilarating but what about this part right and this is what I've learned over the years that if you can be resilient enough to survive this part in order to participate in this and celebrate this that's a very strong ingredient to grow your business and not only grow your business, but to flourish in those tough times. Absolutely. Tell so, us a little bit about how you got started in this, in this space and, and how you ended up down this yeah. road. Well, I started my life as a nurse, 20 years Gosh. in New Zealand, moved to Australia, became a psychotherapist. Oh, and my. I had a private practice for 16 years in Melbourne, Australia, which is a long way from where you are today. Of course. And, you know, years ago, I won't give the year because people say, is she that old? You know, <laughs> I became very passionate about personal development. I think it was, I thought there must be more to life than this. Really, I did. And I started, back then they called them, encounter groups now we're way more sophisticated with what we call the groups discovering who you are and all of that so I trained as a psychotherapist and I initially because I didn't go to school very long Michael I was one of those kids that was so excited about life I wanted to get out earn some money make my mark and <laughs> so it seemed kind of crazy to go back then and right. 
become a little academic and learn things. And my practice was, uh, it was off the charts. I used to do full-on clients one-on-one during the week. And in the weekends, I would travel to rural parts of Australia and run what we called personal development workshops. So 16 years later, just really burnt myself out. And I decided to move from where I was living, move to uh, Queensland, another state in Australia. And at that point, nobody wanted to employ someone of my age, let alone a woman that had her own ideas and (laughs) was quite autonomous. So that's when I suppose the wind and the road came. I did other things. I worked offshore um, in detention centres in the Pacific uh, for asylum seekers. That was quite challenging. Now that one, because we started off with wines in the road and dips, that that particular learning curve was vertical. <laughs> I, I, you were climbing I had the ladder. A, <laughs> I was, absolutely. At that time I had about almost a 1,000 asylum seekers uh, under my care. And so I would, uh, it was what we call here fly in, fly out. I did that for three years. And then my contract ended. I actually did fly in, fly out work for seven, but that last three was pivotal in how I viewed the world. Now, why that is because it doesn't get much more, what's the word, raw. You see the raw human spirit in that situation. People displaced, people stateless. There's people in the world that don't belong anywhere. I don't know if you know that. They're... They're in the millions, I believe. And so one day I came home and I said, it's time to get back into what I love. So I kind of did this big circle because my purpose has always been to help people to gain clarity really. And, you know, so many people, especially 50s and over, let's say that because I'm in my 60s, that are kind of hiding in the shadows And some of that's because of lack of confidence. Some of that is they believe they don't have enough skills. And so that's led me to where I am today. Um, I do group coaching. I do one-on-one coaching. And, of course, thank goodness for COVID and the pandemic because everything became Zoom, Zoomified. There's a word. (laughs) Zoomified. Zoomified. And... That's been really exciting for me because that's enabled me to be way more global than ever before. And, you know, hence I'm talking to you today on the other side of the world, and I really like that. I think right. that's the coolest thing. Yeah. You know, and I think it's made, well, for me, a much more inclusive society. Some might say it's become incl- uh, not so inclusive, but I think it's really helped and you know, if I look back to my younger years as a psychotherapist to now, I think I'm, what's the word? My passion is deeper. My purpose is stronger. It's a little bit different to back then. I think I'm more committed. And have I had those in the road? Absolutely I have. And I have become stronger, resilient, and some people even say I'm wise, Michael. So I must have learned something <laughs> along the way. <laughs> I love that. I have so many questions for you. Um, <laughs> uh, what a what a journey! And I, 
you know, I, I love to be able to talk with other people that love helping people. It's a special breed and not, not everybody is meant for it. And there's no doubt about it. Not everyone's meant Correct. to be able to help other people. And, and thank goodness, because we, we can't all be in that space and that's okay. But in your efforts to do that, you know, to become a, a psychotherapist, I want to, I want to understand a little bit about the mentality of it then. Like, why did you, why did you think, okay, yeah, I'm going to study to be a psychotherapist and maybe for some of our audience, cause we have a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, like what does that mean exactly in relationship or in difference from being a personal development coach now? Great question. Why did I, why did I decide to do that? You know, I think my journey was so transformational. Those, few years where I was really learning. In fact, back then I was a manager of a personal development company, which is rather interesting. And so we had people coming through doing courses. And I was privileged to be part of a lot of those courses. Even if it was just an observer, I was never a teacher. But my goodness, I learned so much. And I realized that the general awareness of people is very low about themselves and about their encounters with others. And I thought, if I could train as a psychotherapist and allow people to look through another window, how cool would that be? Because in life, we see this much. But what's going on is massively bigger than that. And you just don't know what impact you're making on people. And the greater your awareness of yourself, the greater you can understand others. And I think this is all retrospectively, isn't it? I was probably very naive if I tell the, the true story of back then. And my colleagues, you know, no, 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 not much schooling. They were saying, go on, you're born for this. And I was like, born for this. I've heard I've heard that term around nurses. You know, you're born, it's a vocation. I don't know if you remember those words. They don't use them much now. But becoming a psychotherapist was a line in the sand for me. And I was fortunate because I had worked for the personal development company. So if you like, my clients were there as soon as people knew I was in business. I never did any advertising in 16 years, which is quite remarkable when you think wow. of today. Yeah. That uh, was all referral. Wow. And the groups really started. Someone approached me and said, would you come to rural areas, farmers, people like that, because they're really wanting some of this work. And I was like, yes. And they said, prove it, because people didn't want to go to rural areas in those days. And I said, Okay. And I worked in those communities. In fact, I had a group that went for seven years. Wow. A personal development group. Now, you said, what's the difference? One of the things about personal development, especially now, is that you can go on the, the net and buy anything, can't you? You can buy books. You've got Audible. You've got all those places that you can dive deep into things. But 
back then that wasn't available. And the way that you learned was a lot more face-to-face, -face, a lot more interaction, a lot more engagement. We talk about engagement now, but it's so very different. It's still possible to have deep engagement, don't get me wrong. Right. But I think the engagement was different. And being a psychotherapist in those early years, I did a lot of early childhood trauma work with people. I had uh, formal training in somatic psychotherapy, which is all body-orientated gestalt work. Right. And that really helped and informed how I worked. And, you know, now I call myself a confidence coach, but, you know, I don't know that really pins me very well, but what else do you call yourself, <laughs> if you know what I mean? Um, right. And... I'm one of these people, and my partner will testify to this, that I love to have conversations and I love to pick up that next rock and look under it. Right. I love to deep dive into things. And my long-term coaching group that I have now, they say, oh, here we go, you know, because things <laughs> are never what they seem and I love to be curious. And I think I encourage all of my clients and anyone I meet to be more curious. I can make sense. I live um, semi-rural where I am. My view at the moment is trees, birds waking up, just the day waking up, and I can make sense of that at a deeper level if I just sit quietly. I'm a great believer in silence. I think wonderful understandings come from silence. And curiosity is one of those things, you know, and I think personal development, one of the things, this is, I digress slightly from your question, but one of the things that I've noticed is that people do listen to a lot of books, read a lot of books, and I say, so what did you learn? And they go, mm, well, I only read 50 pages of that book and <laughs> I, I've got all these books here and that concerns me a little bit because... I'm all for educating yourself, implementing what you've learnt. There's the key, the implementation. Right. And then next part of that, Michael, is integrating it. Now, you can only integrate something if you've implemented it. Right. And once you implement, you integrate, then it becomes part of who you are. And that's powerful. And what disappoints me about people quoting from loads of books, I've read this and I've read that, is that they hardly ever take the time to action it, to implement it. Right. And so they do themselves a disservice, really, because have I read lots of books? Not really. But what I've read, I've read. What I've learned, I've learned. And, and I want my clients to do the same thing. I want them to take something and milk it for everything it's worth and to integrate it and then let it be shown in your life. Now, as a, as a coach, like I said, I lift up that other rock. So I, if I'm honest, I say, look, I've still got that therapist in me and that will still inform me. But I do, I say confidence coach because what I notice is that once people work with me, they seem to get more confident 
and then they start implementing things in their lives. That was a long story, but, you know, I think it's really important to really shine the light on yourself and as a coach, as a therapist, help people deepen their awareness. Let them see who they are and let it be shining out there. I love that. There's a few things that you said along the way that I want to dig into a little because I know them having been in, in this space uh, for a long time, but I don't know that they're typical words uh, that other people would use. So you mentioned gestalt work, and, and I'd love you to, to share with everybody what that means because I think we've got, like I said, a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, and they might be thinking, I have no idea what you just said and what that means. So can you talk about that and, and just give us some, some insight on what that all means? The founder of Gestalt was Fritz Perls, and uh, that it's a it's a it's been it's a therapy that's been long, around for a long time. And one of his famous pieces of work, let's say, I want to shine the light on that, is what they call a two chair exercise. And I really love that. And what that means is that, for example, you've had an issue with your long lost brother and now you're disconnected from them. Well, this was true in my case actually and so what you can do in a therapy a therapeutic situation is put your brother in the chair in your mind's eye and you can let him listen to you and you have his undivided attention and I know now there's ways, there's a lot of sophisticated different therapies, but this is a really simple one that you can resolve issues and move on and be more present in the here and now. Now, I, I could that. talk forever, but I think that's one of the fundamental principles of how I work now. I say, well, there's the only the now. Be in the now. Don't, don't be back there, you know, um, because people take their history put it here, and then they view everything through their history, which blurs it, contaminates it, and, you know, it distorts your view on some amazing opportunities that are right there. They're right here, and yet we miss them because we're not here and there now. We're living from there. So that that's a very pricey version, clearly. <laughs> but if you want to dig into it, Fritz Bells would be probably the place to start. And one of the things that I read back then, and I think it's, I actually haven't checked it now, but the number one pre pe uh, reason people go into therapy is to be heard. I love that. That is so true. And yeah, you know, it's cool. Is it like, how simple is that? And I use a term. I have a, a five-day intensive, just it's personal development and business and how to, the more you can be aware that the, I think you can be better in business. And, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things I say to people is give it your best shot. Oh, but I am. No, no, give it your best shot, you know. Be present be committed, get into it. It's a free five-day intensive. 
It's right. costing you nothing to be here except your time. Right. And, you know, why not give it your best shot? Anything that you participate in, give it your best shot. And I say to them, and I know this is not a common term in most places, I'm not a fancy Nancy. <laughs> I'm down to earth. Have you ever heard that term? Fancy Nancy. I think I might mm. even say it amazingly <laughs> Really? You know, I think that in some ways, this is a, a hell of a thing to say, really. I think we've become too sophisticated. Look at the whole AI thing, you know, and, and I participate in it because I know if you don't, it's at your peril. Right. doesn't matter how old you are if you don't participate in AI, you know, right. game over, really. But I stay grounded, common sense approach. It's nothing fancy about how I work. And I'm not going to pretend to be sophisticated because I am who I am. I'm pretty happy in my own skin. You know, why not be happy in your own skin? People are so busy looking out there. I must get this and I must get that. So true. It's misguided. I might have I might have been like that 30 years ago, but now I think, hmm, what really matters? What's important to you? Yeah. It's not out there, is it? It's no. not. I love that you, you said earlier, you can't take your past and look through those glasses now at, at everything. And it's so common. And I see it a lot with a lot of the younger generation. You know, there's so many superpowers they have that we didn't have when we were younger. And yet at the same time, there's this, this, look at their past and they don't, they don't have a, a huge past yet, but they're, they're viewing everything from what was instead of what is and what could be. And it's a very interesting approach. And, and I think that it's so uh, it's so important to do what you said earlier, which is to, to look and become aware of who you are. And that awareness uh, seems to be very difficult for people and so what's your what's your advice in terms of how to start that process i mean if somebody was listening right now and they were thinking yeah you know i can i can feel that i can feel that i'm not that aware of who i am or maybe they're even saying what in the world are you talking about be aware of who i am i i am me like is there something more than that like so what, what's your advice what do you where do we start hmm. we well, don't know what you don't know you know, so how do you know you're not aware if you don't know, you know, like we yeah. can play with that for a bit. But I think um, I, my first advice was would be just take time for silence every day. Just sit, be still. Take the AirPods out. Turn the music off. You know, I wrote an article for Expert Profile magazine about silence and how there's not much silence in the world. You go to shopping centres you you go to the, the the dentist, for example, you're back in the chair, he's got a video playing or the, the television on the ceiling. Nothing, nothing is quiet anymore. You can't just go shopping and be chilled out. There's so much sensory information being absolutely thrown at you. So the place to start, for example, I got up this morning, I went outside, 
I've got two standard poodles, so they love to get out there in the morning. And I just stand out there and I go, wow, how cool is this? It's a new day. What's my intention for today? I ask myself that. What, what's my intention? And I think that's a good place to start. If you're someone that has never experienced silence and, you know, maybe you haven't, maybe maybe there's just been no opportunity. I think you have to create the opportunity. And, of course, then the next challenge, Michael, is, well, where do I find this place of silence? Think about that. Where do you find it? Yeah. You have to go and seek it. And I think just sit with yourself. Look, it would be hard for some just to sit for two minutes. So start. It's all about baby steps, isn't it? Just start with one minute. I'll sit here for one minute. I might even I might even get my phone, which is hilarious, and set the timer for one minute. The next day I might do, might do two, might do three. And gradually you'll start to notice things about yourself that you never even knew were there. And wow. that will begin your path of awareness. Right. That's a good place to start, isn't it? And then, of course, you start to become aware of what you're saying. Initially it's about, it's very much a body experience about how do I feel, how am I sitting, what's the day. You know, like I love sunshine. I just love the sunshine. I can, even this morning, it's a little bit cool here because we're in winter. It's nothing like coolness in some of the other states where I live and other places. But the sun always comes up and it always goes down. Yep. doesn't matter what you do. You can't tamper with that. So just sit, be still, be still and listen to yourself. There's a good start. I love that. That's a great, great, uh, a great thing to begin with. You know, interestingly enough, I remember uh, reading an article and, and I've had some experience with it of people not being able to handle that silence. And there are rooms for musicians and singers where they've created rooms that are completely soundproof. And a lot of people just can't make it. They can't make it for more than a couple minutes, let alone five or 20 minutes in a room that is completely silent because all of a sudden you start hearing you. You hear your breathing, you hear your heartbeat, you hear all sorts of interesting things. But I think that, that uh, what a great, exercise. I, I love meditation and I've studied meditation in a lot of different ways. And one form of meditation is about keeping your eyes open and just being in silence and having intention and focus. And I think a lot of people almost immediately hear meditation and they think, oh, I've got to close my eyes and, you know, do the fingers thing and, and, and you know, <laughs> yes. chant or something. And not all meditation is created equal, but I, I do believe that that such a valuable form of meditation in learning that, because I think it is, there's a certain amount of, of awareness or there's tons of awareness that goes through that. So I love that suggestion. And I think that I would challenge everybody listening today to try that. Even now, after this podcast is done, after we are done and you're done listening, just challenge yourself to do exactly what Mary said, put your timer on for a couple minutes, see if you can do it sit down and shut up and, and just see if you can do it because I think it's a great place and it certainly isn't going to cause any harm. That's for sure. Absolutely. 
do you know that I'll tell you this? This is uh, interesting. Sit down, shut up. Years ago, I did a Vipassana meditation retreat for 10 days. Silence, two meals a day, no eye contact. Up at 4.30 in the morning, still meditating, 9 o'clock at night. You had breaks during the day. But the funniest thing happened, Michael. I was like, what's all that noise? What? Of course it was me. It was like <laughs> I could hear my heart beating and I could hear the, the traffic in my head was phenomenal. I was like, what a lot of chatter. Day two, same, three. I said to the teacher, how do I shut this off? <laughs> he said, be still. Yeah. And I, at the time I was like, you're kidding me. Be still. How can I be still with this? Right. Going flat out. And when you think about it, you have that, then you add more to it. Right. Other external noise, music, yeah. speaking. And... Yeah. <laughs> So, do, yeah, I think it's a good challenge. And if you really want to explore how noisy your head is, go do a, a silent retreat somewhere and then you'll really go, wow, is this what this is all about? So what was it like after how, how many days did it take for that chatter to calm down? I call it the I chatter that so. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And, you know, mostly what, what we um, – we sit with, you know, when you wake up, I've got an e-book of, of silencing the inner critic, you know, at 3 a.m. when you wake up and suddenly all these things are important, aren't they? Things that you haven't even thought of, then you start ruminating, then you worry. You say it doesn't matter and you wake up in the morning and you go, what was all that about? Because it doesn't matter. You just make it matter. Right. So about seven or eight days, and one, once I got to 10, I thought, can we keep going with this? They actually, I think they have a 30-day or 45-day. Wow. And at the beginning, that seemed like, no, I'm never going to do that. That's too long. But when you get to seven, eight days, it's like, bring it on. Bring, I want the 30 days. But mm. you can't because you've committed to the 10. <laughs> and I can't honestly say that I, I have or had com complete silence. But... I certainly got very close to it. I did transcendental meditation for a long time. Right. Just with the mantra, I found that pretty cool. Right. And uh, I must admit it is something I'd like to get back to. Wow. I, I, th I think my meditation is early morning, just hanging out outside, yeah. Yeah. just being still. Well, and I think it could be a lot of things. You know, my my oldest daughter asked me at one point, like, hey, you know, I don't really want to do that meditation. It seems like old people do that. And I said, you know, meditation comes in a lot of forms and a lot of shapes and sizes. And for her at the time, it was dance. Dance was her way of doing that. That was how she quieted down. That was in a different space where she could kind of escape and be in, a, in another realm. And I think for all of you out there listening, you know, you got to start with the steps, right? And, and I think this silence step is a really great one to start to to head a new direction. But for some people, it's music. For some people, it's dance. For, you know, my third daughter, it's riding horses. Like, that's her space. And, and she, ironically, like, if you think about it, that is her space where it's silence. Mm. It's her. It's the horse. It's her thoughts. 
there's not anything going on. It's just the communication between her and that beautiful animal. And for all of you out there listening, I don't want you to get caught up in this space of meditation. Oh, I can't do that. Or that's for the Buddhist monks in the Himalayas. You know, like it's not that. Like we have lots of ways to do it. And I think overall, I want to kind of tie it all back together again uh, from all of these wonderful things that Mary shared with us along the way. Like the point is work on you, work on your awareness, work on getting better. And this, uh, Mary said it so beautifully, a growth mindset. That's what it means. I think it's thrown around a lot in social media, but this growth mindset starts with these small steps, these easy things to begin with. And, and I think it's beautiful. I hope you guys all go back and listen to this episode a number of times. Mary, you are incredible. And I think we could probably jam out on this stuff for hours and hours and hours. And I hope to get the opportunity to do so more in the future. I would love you to leave us with some wise words as we continue. But before we do that, I, I we've got to let everybody know how they can get in contact with you or touch base or follow you and know how it is that they could work with you. If they've heard you today, and they're like, okay, I, I need Mary's help. How do I, how do I do that? I want to get in and be involved. So talk to us a little bit about how they can, how they can reach you, find you, get in touch. Well, I'm on LinkedIn very actively, uh, Facebook, and my website is MaryScottInfluence.com. Awesome. MaryScottInfluence.com. Oh, that's easy to remember, MaryScottInfluence.com. So go check it out because crazy not to okay i shouldn't say that but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you're amazing michael i I love hanging out with you and i'd love to do it again absolutely we're gonna have to this is so much fun and i would love to get those wise words that you can leave us with uh before we head out today what do you what, what can you leave us with today my famous saying is this vulnerability in strength and strength in vulnerability that is amazing i love it okay guys take this go do that challenge we talked about sit in silence for a little bit do it right after this episode it'll be great and uh and let us know. You can even, wherever you're listening to this or watching it, comment and tell us about your experience in it because we'd love to hear. And we are, we are people helpers and we would love to see you get something really great from this. So let us know and tell us all about it. Until next time on the next episode, keep choreographing your business. Don't stop. It's a never ending process. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.